Fire Parsons. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to church, everyone. Great to see you, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Isn't it great to be in church uh, during this Christmas season? It's great to see you today. My name is Otto Ramos. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. If this is one of your first times joining us, uh, we want to extend a very special welcome to you. And if you have a smartphone or if you have access to getting out there on a website, we invite you to check out our website at vlchurch.com. And let us know that you're here. There is a banner there that says, Are You New to Victory Life Church? Uh, click on that banner and let us know that you were here, and that'll come straight to me. And I would consider it a privilege to connect with you sometime this week and welcome you to our church. We have a few announcements this morning, and uh, they, they include uh, a couple of really important things. The first is that uh, we are continuing in our Cast of Christmas series. We're really excited to do that today. We'll be talking about the story of the shepherds and the birth of uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all things related. And I also want to remind you that we're doing our part to become a part of this uh, Christmas story as uh, we talk about a cast of characters. We're, we're, we're trying to be a cast of char characters, too, that are a part of God's story. I've mentioned the last few weeks that we have the opportunity to give during this Christmas season. Uh, we are partnering with uh, an organization that plants churches in Mexico called Heart for Mexico. Uh, we had one of their leaders, uh, Josh Rice, who was here about a month ago, and he preached and shared and a great, gave a great message about all things going on down there in Mexico. And we have an opportunity through this Christmas catalog. I'm holding it up right here. You may have seen it the last few weeks. I've mentioned it. Uh, to give to Heart for Mexico. Uh, you can give by providing food bags, household supplies. You can give to construction that's being completed for an orphanage. Uh, you can also give to tuition monies for ministry school for students that are participating in that endeavor as well. And if you'd like to give, you can certainly do that. You make your checks out to Heart for Mexico, and there's a fancy red envelope. I'd like to grab it here and just show it to you. It has relevance for our discussion this morning. Uh, you'd uh, put your check in there and fill out the form and put that in there as well, and you'd hand it off to our missions director out here, and we're going to put it on a Christmas tree uh, just to illustrate how we as a church are becoming a part of a ministry and becoming a part of a cast of characters that are making a contribution uh, to this ministry. And so we're really excited. Uh, Bill Anderson told me that we have about $2,700 left in our matching funds. So, for instance, if you give $200, we will match that $200. If you give $500, we will match that $500, and we have $2,700 left in that purse. And so we're really excited uh, to be a part of this uh, ministry effort uh, this Christmas season. Also, uh, you may have noticed when you walked in this morning that we had some treats on the way, on the way in. Uh, there's some tables there set up uh, for some gifts for you as you exit uh, uh, the church service this morning, 
Uh, some of our volunteers have organized some cookies and treats and things that uh, folks from here at the church made for you. You must have been good this year because Santa came to visit Victory Life Church and leave a gift for you. So as you exit the church this morning, grab one of those. We have one for you and uh, just really, really excited that uh, we're, we're able to do that. Also, I have a few reminders about Christmas Eve and Christmas weekend. Uh, Christmas Eve is this Friday. As you likely know, we'll have two services, one at 4 p.m. and one at 10 p.m. Really excited about having those services. And also, we will have worship service next Sunday. It's a day after Christmas, but we're still going to gather together and worship the Lord Jesus together. And if you're in town and you're hanging around, come and worship with us. We're going to be only having one service at 10 a.m. So looking forward to that uh, as well. Also want to make mention of the fact that uh, we will not be having youth group tonight. Uh, some of our leaders are not feeling well. And so out of an abundance of ca caution, we have decided to, to not have youth tonight. So just wanted you to know that also. Last but not least, if you've come this morning uh, to worship the Lord Jesus uh, with your tithes and offerings, you know what to do and how to do it. You can text to give, you can give online, or you can give as you exit the sanctuary today. But thank you for worshiping the Lord with your tithes and offerings. Can I ask you to stand as we prepare our hearts for worship uh, this morning? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, what a privilege to be in a place that desires to bring honor, praise, and glory to the God of heaven and earth. A God of heaven and earth who stepped out of heaven, came to earth to live among us, to be with us so that you could take us with you forever. Thank you for doing that. That is what we celebrate this morning. That is what we celebrate during this time of year. And I pray that you would, by virtue of your grace and your kindness towards us, turn our hearts to you now as we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's worship him this morning. It's Christmas. Of his love 
from the realms of glory wing your flight o'er all the earth he who sang creation story now proclaim messiah's birth come and worship come and worship worship christ the newborn king oh we've come to worship you today lord we lift you up shepherds in the fields of fighting watching o'er their flocks by night god Worship Christ the newborn King. Are you ready to worship? God this morning that saw fit to send his son to earth to redeem you and me to bring us back into relationship with him this next song we sing this morning is an ancient carol now hark the herald angel sing but it's not just tradition that we sing it for we sing it because the words are worship unto the Lord hark the herald angel sing they sing glory to the newborn king. They declare peace on earth, mercy mild, for God and sinners have been reconciled. So joyful all ye nations rise, not just the angels, all of us. Join the triumph of the skies with the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. This is worship today. This is not tradition. This is worship. So let's worship this morning. 
Christmas season as we remember you who are the bringer of those things. We worship you and we bless you today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.
Shalom, chef. Huh, heard. <laughs> you a little jumpy? Ah, uh, you startled me. Ever since that night, I've been a little skittish. <laughs> yeah, well, I understand. You know, it's amazing. I can't believe it's still shining. Uh, it has dimmed a little bit. That night, when it all occurred, was a cold night in Bethlehem. And there we were, staring out in the darkness, trying to stay awake, watching for lions or bandits, my hand on my trusty sling. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You're going to use a sling against a lion? Who do you think you are, King David? Well, he was a shepherd and he was from Bethlehem. What are you going to use? My knife! <laughs> You're going to use a knife uh, on a 400-pound lion running at you at 50 miles an hour. That's what you're going to use. Well, it worked okay in the rabbit last week. <laughs> well, anyway, we were ready in case a bandit tried to come and steal any of our animals. There had been a rash of sheep stealing all across Bethlehem lately. And suddenly, all heaven broke loose. At first, I thought I'd overslept counting too many sheep, but, and the sun had come up, but then I realized it was still dark, but that star was so bright, I had to shield my eyes. A wave of terror came over my body. I mean, we're talking end of days terror. I was so afraid, I was shaking in my sandals. <laughs> Have you ever had a near-death experience? One where your whole life passes before you. The smile of your beautiful wife. The touch of your loving mother. The cry of your newborn baby. The names of your 532 sheep. Whoa! You count the names of your sheep? What am I supposed to do all here all night? Learn to play the harp? When I saw that angel, I thought I was going to die. The sky was like a wall of flame. The angel was so close, I could almost touch him. Was I floating? Was I even still here on this earth? And then I was about to scream for mercy when what sounded like a thousand men shouting. But then I looked, and it was one single angel saying, Don't be afraid. Oh, it was much more frightening than that. Don't be afraid! <laughs> that is more like it. The voice, it echoed through the hills. It beat through my heart like a drum. Words I will never forget. Listen carefully, for I proclaim to you good news of great joy to all the people. Today in the city of David, your Savior is born. He is Christ the Lord. But that wasn't all of it. Angels began to appear one after another in the sky as if they were stars. It looked like God had put a hundred suns into the night to light it up. And then the sweetest music filled the sky like a choir of a thousand angels saying, Glory to God! Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men. The shepherds and I were the only ones who saw this phenomenon. But I tell you, that night, we touched heaven. We heard and we saw eternity. The star, it beckoned to us. It was as if it was pointing somewhere. We had to follow it. So we went right to where that baby, that star was shining. And there he was, a baby. Oh, we knew he was not an ordinary child. He was the Christ child. The savior of the world. I thought maybe he'd come as an emperor or, or possibly a conquering king. But no, he was a baby in the town of Bethlehem in a manger. But we knew he was the Messiah, the one been promised to Israel. Only God. Only God would do something so unconventional, so, so impossible. We don't know how long this strange phenomenon of light is going to last. Who knows? God created a pillar of light for us and our ancestors as they walked through the desert many, many years. That's true. And maybe the glory of his messengers will last for a while, too. 
right on this hill. And maybe, maybe the magnificence of that light will dim and fade away. But no matter what, we will tell the story. We don't know who's going to believe us. I mean, the light is already starting to dim, but whoever is out there, whoever will listen, we will tell this story as if our words are that light. And we will say to any who listen, glory be to God in the highest. A Savior is born and he is Christ the Lord. Well, good morning. Young disciples, you may be dismissed at this time. Shep and Herd will be down to speak to you and young disciples once they get out of the triage unit, and, uh, and they'll be down to share with you. We're so glad that you're here with us, and uh, we heard a marvelous story this morning, and we're going to continue that story right where it left off in Luke chapter 2, verse 15. Luke chapter 2, verse 15, and today we're going to talk at this Christmas Sunday, and we hope you'll come back and join us at 4 p.m. and 10 p.m. on Christmas Eve for our beautiful candlelight Christmas service. We will be taking part in the cast of Christmas, and there'll be a role for you to play when you come. But we're going to talk today about the shepherd's gift. Now, I know you may think that's backwards, because you don't remember the shepherds bringing gifts at Christmas, but the shepherds intimated to us that they had a gift to bring, and that's the gift we're going to talk about today now, I don't know where you are in all your Christmas shopping, but I'm prepared to give out some gifts this week. Some I'm really high on, some I'm not so high on, but a lot of us will be giving gifts. And I've decided that there's just normal baseline gift givers, you know, just normal people who give gifts out to people. But then there are some real special cases of gift givers. Some gift givers that reside in many of our families who are very unique in the way that they approach gift giving. The first one of these people is obviously the one who is convinced that their gifts are always terrible. You know you have someone like this in your family. As you are opening their gift, the one that they've given to you, they have this look on their face. And as you unwrap it and pull it out, they're just shaking their head. And they say, you hate it, don't you? The minute it's out of the package, and they say, listen, listen, I have the receipt for that. I have a receipt, I've got a gift receipt, I'm going to go get it, it's in my purse right now, I'm going to go get it, I'm going to give it to you, I, I feel so bad, I don't know what to get for you, you're hard to buy for, I've got the receipt, you can even have my Kohl's cash, I've got Kohl's cash, and you can take this with the receipt and go get yourself something that you really want. You know you have someone in your family who's convinced they're a bad gift giver. The sad thing about the people that convince they're a bad gift giver, some of them really are good gift givers, they, they just have a complex. Somebody at some point in their life went, what is this? And it ruined them forever. Then there's that person in your family who are convinced they're a good gift giver, but nobody's really quite sure. They're the people that as you're opening the gift, they're going. And as you open it, they begin to speak. Now, now listen, the reason I got you that was because of this. Because I know that you need this, and I know that it's something that you, you, you would like, because I got it back in April, and I've been using it this way, and you're going to love it, because everybody I've gotten, has gotten this for has loved it, and you're going to love it too. And the whole time you're thinking, I think thou dost protest too much. You, 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 you're not quite sure you're a good gift giver, but you're convinced that you are, so you've got to tell me why your gift is the best thing I've received this Christmas. Then, then, then I, I hope you have just one person in your life who just is a great gift giver. They're the people who, while you're opening their gift, they're going to get another cup of coffee. They're not even worried about it. They know that they are a good gift giver. They know that what they have purchased for everybody is good. These are the type of people, they walk through the store, and they think about you, and they know you well enough, and, and they, they, they kind of understand your mental makeup, and they look and they see something on the shelf, and they go, oh, you know what, Matt would like that. Now, I have one great, I mean, I have some good gift givers, but I have one great gift giver in my life, and he knows who he is. No, AJ, it's not you. I have one, one person who's absolutely incredible. And when I say things to him afterwards, like, wow, I opened this, I'm like, I don't even know what this is. But then I used it, and I was like, oh, that's so great, or that's cool, or it really works. He's like, yeah, I was going through the store, thought you might like it, and that's it. 
That's it. There's just a simplicity to the idea that he knows what gift to give. Well, I want to take a few minutes today to make sure that every one of you ups your gift-giving game this Christmas. I want all of you to feel like you have great gifts to give. And I think the story of the shepherds is a story that helps each one of us grab hold of the idea that we have the most important gifts that can be given at Christmas if we will do what the shepherds did and move from spiritual spectators to people who are part of the cast of Christmas. As you know, as we talked about last week and the shepherds recounted us today, the angels came and spoke into the lives of the people that were standing out tending their sheep that night. They said, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. That will be the sign to you. And of course, that heavenly host appeared singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. God was moving these gentlemen into three recognitions. One, that they mattered. Two, that he had joy for them on his agenda. And three, that God was initiating peace with all of humanity through Jesus. And they were the first ones to get to tell the story. Let's pick up in verse 15 of chapter 2 and see what gift it is that they brought that we may have access to as well. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Now, before we get to the gift that the shepherds brought, and some of you are going, I, I didn't see a gift. Let's, let's just wrap up the story of the shepherds for just a minute. Our friends Shep and Herd, they really pointed out the absurdity of the moment. But imagine this. The angel had said to them that the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord was going to be born, the one that all of humanity had been waiting for. Now, if the angel had sent them into Bethlehem that night and said, there's going to be a baby, find it. I mean, that would have been great, but they could have walked and found a baby in Bethlehem and gone, oh, well, I guess that's, that's him. No. The, the, the shepherd said, you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, which was no great thing. Babies would have been wrapped in cloths at that time in history. But they said, the sign unto you is that the baby is going to be lying in a manger. Now, that is not standard operating procedure for the first century. You don't put your baby in a feeding trough. You, you, that's, that's not what happens. But as we know, Mary and Joseph could find no room in crowded Bethlehem. They were relegated to a stable. And what made sense to them so that maybe mom and Joseph could get some rest was to lay that baby in that feeding trough so after delivering they could rest. And that's where the shepherds find that baby, in a barn, in a manger. It's a pretty weird scene. Pretty weird scene. And, of course, we know from the history of Scripture, God is not opposed to using pretty weird scenes to get his business accomplished. But that's an incredible sign. There was no guarantee that they'd go into Bethlehem that night and find a baby lying in a feeding trough. But they did. Therefore, they can look back and say, the angels really did say. God really did speak. What God said about this baby, that's trustworthy because we found the baby just as God told us we would. They had great confirmation to the word of God. I imagine as they walked to Bethlehem that night, if they were human, they went, do you think we'll really find a baby lying in a feeding trough? If they were human, that is. Now, granted, all of you have more faith than most humans. So if an angel appeared to you and said you'd find a baby lying in a feeding trough, you'd be like, of course, right. But it's, it's possible that they were human. It's possible that they could have doubted the word of the Lord. It's, could have, it's possible that they could have wondered, did God really say? But when they saw the baby, we hear then they tell their story. Then they go, yeah, let me tell you what was said to us about him. Because the sign was confirmed. And he said, I still don't see the gift that you're referencing, Pastor Matt. Well, if you want to see the gift, we've got to back up just a little bit. I'm going to invite you to take just a little bit of a journey with me in the midst of this Christmas story and back up in your Bibles to chapter 1. 
Because if we want to see the full gift that the shepherds brought that night, I think we need a little bit of context to who they brought it to and why it was needed. I'd like you to back up to chapter 1, if you will, and we're going to be looking at verse 30. Because there was another angelic visitation. In fact, there were two or three more angelic visitations that take, part, or, or take place during this Christmas story. But it's the one to Mary that I think is going to help us identify the, ship that, the gift that the shepherds brought. In verse 30, as the angel Gabriel is speaking to Mary, this is what he says. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and be called Son of the Most High God. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob and his kingdom forever. There will be no end. Wow. This is a huge message about the baby that Mary is going to bear that he's not going to be great like an athlete. No, he's going to be great like God. In fact, he's going to be called the son of God. In fact, he's going to be the king that was promised to Israel through the line of David, and his kingdom will have no end. These are big messages. This is a big prediction about the baby that's going to be growing in her womb. This is not like somebody saying to you, your kid's going to grow up and own a smoothie shop. That's not what's going on here. This wasn't even somebody looking at Mary and saying he's going to grow up and expand his father's carpentry business. No, that's not what's said to Mary. Mary is getting the message that this baby is going to be the most consequential person in the history of the world. It's a big message. Now, we Christians read that, and we don't kind of get the import of this. We hear about a baby in a manger, we're like, oh, that's cool. And sometimes we just don't even think about the sign that it was for the shepherds. We read these words about Jesus, and we're like, yeah, we're Christians, we believe that. But could you imagine being a teenage girl and hearing that the baby that you were going to bear was going to be the most consequential person in the history of the earth? Those are big words. No big deal to us. We know that Jesus did extraordinary things. No big deal to us. We've accepted Jesus if we're Christians as the Son of God. We recognize that he has a kingdom that's 2,000 years and 2 billion people strong. We get it. But I can't imagine that Mary was able to take in everything right at that moment. Who could? And, of course, she had a greater concern than how awesome the child was going to be. She had the concern of, oh, I'm having a kid. Look down at verse 34. You'll remember what Mary said to the angel. How can this be since I am a virgin? Good job, Mary's parents. She didn't need a public school education and seventh grade health class to know that she was not a candidate for pregnancy. Mary knew that that couldn't be possible because she had not yet been with Joseph. So she's got a a pressing matter here. Uh, I can't be having a kid. And of course, we know what the angel said to her. God's going to place that baby in your womb. This is going to be a miracle because God has been planning this all along. Three weeks ago, the prophet Isaiah was here declaring, unto you a child is born, unto you a son is given, and the virgin shall conceive and give birth to a child. And his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. This was part of God's plan, and Mary was being wrapped up into the plan of God. And she would have known that there was truth to the story of her having a baby within days, if not weeks. She would have felt that change in her body. She would have known that, oh my word, I am going to have a child. But just as God did the shepherds, God gave Mary a sign. Look at verse 36. And now, Mary, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing is impossible with God. And then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So just as the shepherds got a sign, Mary got a sign. Mary. You're going to have a baby growing in your womb, and just so you know that this angelic visitation was not a figment of your imagination, just so you don't doubt what you've just heard, your relative Elizabeth, who is said to be barren, is going to have a child because God can do anything God wants to do. Nothing is impossible with him. So just like the shepherds, God spoke and God confirmed, but hey... Mary was human too. Nine months would pass between that angelic visitation and giving birth on the floor of a barn. 
in those nine months, she ran the risk of having her engagement annulled. I cannot imagine how her social life changed in the face of such wild circumstances. At the height of her pregnancy, she was made to journey to Bethlehem. And as I just mentioned, she delivered a baby not in her home or the home of a loved one, not even on the bedroll of an inn, but in a barn. And I just wonder if Mary was truly human. And I I, I just wonder, based on the text, if in that moment of sheer exhaustion, looking at that newborn babe, if Mary could have wondered, did God really say I've had the baby now, that, that's clear. I, I've had this angelic visitation, but son of God, great, forever king, him? She'd had proof positive that the, the angelic visitation was real. Elizabeth had had a child. Joseph had believed her. But there were then those big, important words that were spoken. He will be great and be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him his throne, the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Could it have been that God saw Mary in this moment and realized one more thing was needed? I think the text proves that that's the case. Look at verse 17. We're back in chapter 2, by the way. And when they saw it, these being the shepherds, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered. That's like wondered, like marveled. They were awed at what the shepherds told them. So apparently there were Joseph and others who had made their way into the stable that night or or folks along the path that were going, an angelic visitation, wow, son of God, the Messiah has come. They told you you'd find a baby in a manger and here you found a baby in a manger. That's incredible. People were in awe. Mary's not. Look at verse 19. Mary has a different response. The Bible tells us Mary treasured up All these things, pondering them in her heart. Now, wonder in verse 18 in the Greek is a very different word than ponder in verse 19. Wonder is that sense of awe or wow or wow, that's cool. But the ponder here, this word sumbalo means to turn over again and again And again, Mary turned their words over in her heart again and again and again. To her, these words weren't words of, wow, they were words of treasure. I needed to hear Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's what Mary needed to hear that night. Now, now, how do we know? Because she told Luke. Who was the source? It was Mary. We know that Mary was the source because Mary is able to recount her words to the angel. Mary is able to recount her words when she met Elizabeth. Mary is able to recount exactly the status of her heart when she heard the words that the angel spoke to the shepherds. Unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. When she heard those words, that treasure came into her life. And she must have said or written to Luke, their words were treasure to me. In my heart, over and over again, I've thought about those words that night. What those words that the shepherds brought were not just telling the gospel to those who were present that night, but to a single person, a person so caught up in the cast of Christmas that we don't have Christmas without her. Mary, in that very moment, she gets the words that she needed the most. And that was the gift that God had for her. The wise men, they they brought gold and frankincense and myrrh to worship a newborn king. 
But as we read the text today, we see that the shepherds brought the most valuable gift that Mary received at Christmas. The inspired word of God at just the right time. She treasured them. And in years to come, she would turn them over in her heart again and again and again. Now, I've preached from this passage probably a half dozen to a dozen times, and I've talked about the shepherds being the first evangelists, the first ones to tell the story of Jesus to others. But sometimes we miss that that night. We see that parenthetical note about Mary, and we miss what the shepherds became to Mary that night, these humble societal outcasts who God had chosen to be part of his cast at Christmas, these shepherds became, however you want to fancy it, the pastor, the priest, or the prophet to Mary that night. They conveyed the word that God had for Mary, that, that Jesus was exactly who the angel had said he was. And if Mary had any doubt in her heart at that moment, God was saying to her emphatically, Mary, I really did say. I really did say. Jesus is who I say he is. And he's coming to your world to be all that he says he is. Will you receive my word? And the same God who weaved this story for Mary and Joseph, the shepherds and the wise men, is weaving the story of so many people today wanting the name of Jesus to bring love and life and hope and peace and joy. Wanting people to hear that there is hope. Wanting people to know that they are loved of God. Wanting people to experience a joy that far exceeds the pleasures of this world and a peace that passes all understanding. Jesus is still in the business of bringing this to people. And it happens the exact same way it happened that night in Bethlehem. When the people of God, who have encountered the presence of God, share the words of God with those who need to hear it the most. That is the gift that each one of us who knows the Lord Jesus can bring. And it's a gift that never runs dry, a gift that never runs out, a gift that, that does not have an expiration date. It doesn't go out of style. It's a gift that you can bring, a gift that you can bring tomorrow and the next day and the next and the next. Because you who know Jesus have had an encounter with the presence of the living God. You know that Jesus is who he says he is. You know that he can do what he says he can do. And you know that he is weaving together someone else's story right now that is waiting for his servant, you, to go and speak just the right words at just the right time by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in your life. I do not doubt that someone around you this very week we'll be asking the question, did God really say? They'll be asking the question, does God really care? Does God really see? What difference would it make if I started going to church or going back to church or reading my Bible or praying once more? What difference would it make? Did God really say? wondering if the events in their life that had pointed them to God and pointed them back to God and pointed them back to God, wondering if they were like true or just mere coincidence. I don't doubt there are some of you sitting right here right now. God's been doing some things in your life and you know it, but, but you've been saying mere coincidence. Uh, circumstance. I, I believe in the natural world, the material world, and, 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 and the concept that God is moving and doing things in my life to bring me closer to him, that's, that's hard for me to fathom. 
But what if this week God broke in once more? What if someone in your life shared just the right word at just the right time? Would you believe then? For so many of us, we've had the visitation of the Lord, known his presence, felt his spirit. But we take the visitation and for fear of causing offense or for fear of rejection, we sit on the words that God has given us to share. We don't speak them. We're afraid. We're worried that we'll sound preachy or that we'll have folks look at us like we're crazy. But could it just be that God has someone for you to speak to this Christmas? Someone to, to, to say just the right words at just the right time, not because you're brilliant, but because he has been weaving the tapestry of their life and you are part of that tapestry. When he prompts you, will you speak? When he sends you, will you go? The message does not have to be eloquent. It doesn't have to be said with rhetoric. It might just be something as simple as, you know, God sees what you're going through. And if you cry out to him, he'd love to minister to you. It might be, I know that your life is not headed in the direction that you thought it should go. But I know God has a direction for it. If you'd seek that direction, he'd meet you. It might be that they're lacking hope and looking at circumstance and things around them and saying, I'm exhausted by life. And the simple message of, you know, there is life and hope and peace in the name of Jesus. He's given that to me. He can give it to you too. Do we Christians speak these messages any longer? Do we share what we have experienced with others? Do, do, do we let God move? You see, I doubt any of the shepherds went to the manger that night and were like, you know what? We're going to minister to the mother of the Savior. But out of the overflow of their experience, they shared exactly what the mother of the Savior needed. Would you allow God to well up in you at this Christmas season, share a message of love, hope, peace, and joy? This week, I went to my church mailbox, and I got a card, Christmas card. It was anonymous. I always know when they're anonymous because there's no return address, and then nobody signs it, but I don't know that until I open it, of course. And I opened it up, and good for me, there was a gift of money in there. Wahoo! Yeah. I'm not above getting money. Don't send me money. I'm not asking. I'm just saying. It's nice. It's like, yeah, somebody thought enough to give me a gift of cash. Cash at Christmas. Hey. But I opened that up, and it was a card specifically designed for a pastor, and it had a verse in there. And the verse was how this person who sent the gift felt about me. And I tell you, I was near tears. The gift I got was not the money that was in the card. The gift I got was the timely word from one of God's people. That was the greatest gift that was in that card. Is it always that way? No. No, it's not. I'll be real. Sometimes there's no verse and people are like, happy holidays. And, you know, there's something in there. But this, that moment was God ministering to me through one of you. And I've known Jesus most of my life. You have good gifts to bring. Things that far exceed anything monetary or material. You 
Some of us need to commit to saying, God, I'm open to bringing them this Christmas. Because people's hearts are going to be open. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Oh God, for many of us, we need you to stir us out of silence. To help us, Lord, to speak your love and your hope and your joy and your peace. Unafraid. Unafraid of offense or rejection or mockery. Because, Lord, you speak into our lives that we might speak into the lives of others. You move in our circumstance so that we will move through you into the circumstances of others. God, some of us can be evangelists this Christmas in the technical sense. We can share the good news of Jesus dying on the cross and rising again for all of humanity. Lord, I know that there are others as well that will go out this week and through the power of your Holy Spirit, we'll be able to give just the right word at just the right time to just the right person if we're open. And Lord, I believe it's probably those who feel most unlikely who'd say, I don't know that that'll be me. But Lord, I ask right now that your spirit would come upon your people. I ask that you would allow us to participate in giving gifts that are divine. You gave us the greatest gift that humanity has ever known in your Son, the Lord Jesus. Oh Lord, may we give out the gift of spreading life, love, hope, joy, and peace in his name. Not from our effort, but from your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand today? I wanted to wait till the very last note on the piano to start talking again. Very pretty, thank you. Well, we're so glad you've been with us on this Sunday prior to Christmas. We hope you'll come back and join us either at 4 p.m. or 10 p.m. on Christmas Eve for our beautiful candlelight service. I don't want to have you forget to grab some of those delicious baked goods on your way out today. Greet one another. Uh, Say Merry Christmas because it's going to be merry because Jesus is in it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence in our midst today. We pray you'd send us now with your blessing. We pray that you'd make of us great lights this Christmas season. Keep us safe and send us with all your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Keep